away we go on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Take two. We'll be honest with you, uh, good listener. We recorded five or six minutes of this, and uh, we weren't actually recording. I don't know why I said we were recording five or six minutes of this. We weren't. You'll uh, never know what we said. No. It was brilliant, though. Probably the greatest things ever said on the podcast. Greatest five minutes of radio. No doubt. Um, we are coming to you from the brew room at the Nita Beer Company, which I'm kind of surprised it took this show this long to decide you know we should we should do a show from a brewery but uh that's the world we live in matt is not blessed with many good ideas and they certainly don't come to him quickly uh, i'm joined today by our pal the maid of dishonor michaela schreider how you doing pretty good i got i got the bride down the aisle did my job yeah it's uh it's a lot of pressure it like is. you're responsible for for getting her there it's, it's not, not you know not that different from the best man like really your job is to kick their butts down the aisle and then go it you're you're their problem now like you yeah this is no longer my uh my thing it, it is an a lot of pressure only because i wanted to do such a good job like uh, this is my best friends my best yeah. friend's wedding um great movie um <laughs> <laughs> and uh i you know it was an honor to to, to be there and, and to get to do this is my first time i was ever made of honor so i'm just walking around going how am i gonna fuck this up and I didn't, I don't think. So, so that's good. You, you would know if you did. Someone would have told you that yeah. you ruined our wedding. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not something that you're, uh, you're ever left in question about. Uh, like I said, we are in their brew room here at Need a Beer Company. They've been kind enough to hook us up with a couple of pints. What do you got going on? Uh, I have their uh, IPA. I don't know much else about it, but it is tasty. I will say that. So uh, I have their... Should I say it correctly now or should yes. I say it wrong again so you can correct me again? Um, in the original recording, I've, I called this a Marzen. It is apparently called a Marzen. Trides was happy or, uh, or pleasant or kind enough to, pleasant enough, kind enough to tell me. Uh, so that's what I got going on. They were very nice to, uh, to hook us up with a couple of beers here and uh, they were nicely poured, but that means we also don't have the can, so there's no percentage, no names, really. That you know be of. dangerous. Yeah, it's uh, true. We, uh, but we'll put it all up on our, uh, our social media feeds at Tall Can Audio. So make sure you're following along there, along with a couple of pictures with everything going on here, maybe a video or two. We'll see how that all shakes loose. Uh, you can follow Michaela on social media at Shrides, S C H R E I D S, or at Crafted in the Capital on Instagram. Uh, why don't we get right into. I guess I should probably mention that uh, Andy from the Need a Beer Company will join us in a little bit. Uh, we'll talk to him about how. Uh, you know how their recent Oktoberfest went and uh, the upcoming advent calendar that Nita puts together every year. That's going to be 24 different craft beers over 24 days from 22 different breweries. Uh, check out NitaBeer.com if you want to look into one of those. I do it every year. I love it every year. Uh, highest of high recommendations. Let's talk Hockey Canada because that has been the story of the last several months. It's been a debacle. They were just in front of Parliament a week ago, and Andrea Skinner, uh, what's her title? President of the board? Chair of the board. Chair of the board. Uh, doubled down, said, we really think you guys are blowing this out of proportion, and you're being kind of unfair to us. We, we think we should stay the course. On Saturday, during the Toronto Blue Jays playoff game, she decided... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step aside. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resign now when literally no one in this country is paying attention to Hockey Canada. And uh, on Monday or Tuesday, I forget what day it was now, Scott Smith, uh, he said he's stepping down. They're going to replace everybody. But it took way too long to get here, didn't it? Absolutely. It took way too long and way too many sponsors 
uh, walking away, ending their partnerships, redirecting funds away from the men's program. Um, for anybody to look at this and go, you know, the, the, the way that Hockey Canada framed it was, you know, there's a need of it, that we're in need of a change. No one actually thinks that's what they believe. No. No one thinks they did this because they genuinely thought it was the right thing to do. They did this because sponsors were walking away and they were bleeding money. Yep. And they needed to do damage control and, and stop that. Um, like you said, they're a week removed from from doubling down and completely you know, saying Hockey Canada has a great re- reputation and you know, the media is being unfair to us and, and all this stuff. And, you know, if, if the board resigned and the senior management team walked away, would the lights stay on in, in hockey ranks? <laughs> that was a rich line. I... Like, like, it's just, it's, it took them four months of dragging their heels to get here. And this is a big change. No organization does this kind of complete overhaul right. um, in an easy way. And, and they, they, they couldn't have made it more difficult on themselves. Right. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point that you made. Like, it, it, this wasn't about, you know, Parliament has made us see public pressure has made us see, you know, Hockey Quebec and Hockey Nova Scotia, I believe, were the first two provincial bodies to go. You're making this impossible, and we're not sending you our membership fees. Um, it was none of that. It was Nike and Bauer and Tim Hortons and Scotia Bank and Canadian Tire all going. We're not giving you any more money. We're not associating with this organization and that includes and it was funny because every headline every tweet every article said including world juniors so that was obviously the kicker right that's their big money maker every year and these or so was another one that said we're not sponsoring these events now some of them uh rightfully so because we were hearing all kinds of concern like hey the women's program didn't do anything wrong the <laughs> para program right maybe you want to ease up and, and not totally cut funding. So some of these companies were smart enough or selective enough, whatever you want to call it, to say we're directing it away from the men's and world junior programs, but we'll continue to sponsor the women's program. Some cut bait completely, and Hockey Canada was bleeding money. And to me, that's, that's all this was. That was the only way this was ever going to get done. Money talks, and, and these people, that's what eventually forced them out. It was no realization, yeah, we did bad. No, you, they still think... They're they're the they're the victims. Yeah, they've learned nothing. No, and and that's what makes me really concerned about. Yeah, okay, new people are going to come in, but uh, who who's in charge of hiring those new people? I genuinely don't know the answer to that. I think a lot of people have kind of had that question. But you know, if this organization has clearly learned nothing right. from you know the uh, the problem that uh, you know uh, caused all of this, then how are we? to know other than the fact that I think the microscope is on them and every single person who steps into this role is going to be scrutinized. Um, I still, you know, it's kind of a, I'll believe it when I see it situation. This is a massive culture change that is needed, not just in the organization, but in the sport itself. Mm -hmm. And and I think that I, I just don't know what the path forward is given that they could not have made this more messy if they tried. And if, if they had just done this originally, maybe I would have some faith that this organization can rebuild. Um, but I, I, I don't know that I do. It's like, who's lining up for this job? Seeing the yeah. mess that's been made. And look, Hockey Canada, I, there's a part of a lot of us, I think, that really wants to not forgive the people who ran it, but wants to forgive that logo. Like, I think if you're showing any sort of 
real attempt, right? Like to, to fix this and, and do it well. People want to cheer for Team Canada. But there was just no way to do it. I, I remember saying uh, before that Summer World Juniors, would you take the Hockey Canada logo off the jersey? Would you just, I don't, just put the leaf, just put the flag, just put something, like let us not be reminded constantly. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. would it be better? And of course, Hockey Canada, not believing that they did anything wrong, would have no reason to even consider doing that. Of course not. But here we are now. I think a lot of people, there's obviously from all across the country, tons of dedicated volunteers and employees that are good people and would do a good job. I'm not going to be first in line to, to step in and clean this up because it is, it's a mess and like somebody will do it, but I don't know, like you said, I don't know where you even start the rebuilding process or the hiring process. It's, it's a mess. That's the thing. Like, and again, I want to have faith that because they may bring in some people who like I love, right? They sure. may bring in former female players mm-hmm. from Team Canada, which they absolutely should. Yep. Um, and and I I certainly don't want to not like those players, so I'm 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 very cautious about you know what it's going to look like, who they're going to bring in. But again, this is this is a culture shift that is needed. And you have to be cognizant of that when you're building going forward, right? Um, you Are know, you worried they might hide behind that? Like, this crossed my mind yesterday. What if they say Cassie Campbell and Jerome McGinley, in whatever positions you want to say, are now running hockey? I, I don't know if they're qualified to, but just we're going to put players that you love out in front so that in a PR way, you'll get back behind us quicker. Like, I'm sort of afraid that that that's something they may try and shove down our throats here a little. Oh, it's absolutely something they're going to try. Yeah. Like, cause you just named two players. Like, could you imagine hating either no, Cassie Campbell or Jerome McGinley? Yeah. Like, absolutely not. Um, and, and they're going to 100% do that. Um, but I think what is important is that going forward, they continue to be held accountable. Um, whether it's through, Obviously, we don't need to have parliament. I don't know that we need to have parliamentary <laughs> hearings as uh, you know, super regularly on them, but we should. There should be someone holding them accountable because they got away with this for years. Taxpayer money, paying taxpayer it off money, to uh, volunteer or uh, registration. registration fees, yeah. a second um, slush fund Jesus for paying Christ. off. Christ, like, that was that. One that had two... to be the nail, wasn't it? Like we called you in front of us, we asked you about the secret fund, and you tried to explain it away. That's the time. If you're being legit, if you're trying to be honest and upfront with us, to tell us, hey, by the way, there's a second one, Jesus. and it breaks. I think it was the Globe and Mail who reported last week during those hearings. Hey, we discovered there's a second one. At that point. There's no more misunderstanding. It's fuck you. Like you tried to deceive everybody. It's taxpayer money. It's Timbits hockey money. It's registration fee. Get out, all of you. You suck. Like uh, you're gone. And I know people were making the case, well, Scott Smith wasn't the CEO yet, but he's been with the organization for 30 years. Like, do not tell me he was not, uh, he was a part of this leadership team. Yep. Don't tell me he didn't know about this. Don't tell me he wasn't a part of it. He, He was a part of the culture that needs to change and therefore he had to go um you know that you can't heal in the environment that hurt you and you can't make change in the environment that caused the problem in the first place so you know they've made they've made obviously this i'm not going to give them credit for it because they did it four months too late mm-hmm. but okay the teardown is done where do you go from here and and i think this is where the government needs to really step in and hold them accountable so that this doesn't happen again 
um, because it went, like I said, went unnoticed for that long. How do you make sure that doesn't happen again? Uh, yeah, and this is going to be fascinating to see how it's rebuilt. There is obviously, as we all know, nothing more popular in this country than hockey and people, like I said earlier, I think people want to forgive, but they've been, I don't know. I don't know how you feel. I feel like a fool, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, for the amount of time that we just all went along and yeah, it's hockey in Canada, they couldn't possibly be doing anything wrong. And then when it was, that was naive. And I, I won't speak for you and to say like in any organization, the size of hockey Canada, you can't hold it necessarily against the organization if one or two things go wrong. But this level over and over and over, and you knew about it and you covered it up and you paid to cover it up. And then when you're caught, like I said, that, that second slush fund last week was the one where I went. You, you've tried to, even when you were caught, you tried to slide by this. So yeah. I, I don't know where we go from here. And I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a tough sell. And, you know, we got a few months I guess on the international calendar, the biggest thing coming up would be World Juniors. Men's and women's worlds are, are in the background. Uh, we'll see how people feel about this. And I, I think it's worth mentioning again that Rick Westhead and, uh, you know, Katie Strang has done good reporting on this. Other people have as well. But Rick Westhead working for Bell Media, who has a vested interest for all the shit that we rightfully give Bell Media, um, the fact that they allowed him to tear down one of their most valuable properties is something. It's worth something. And yeah. uh, that's worth noting, I think. Oh, absolutely. And Rick has done amazing work. I mean, we wouldn't know about this without Rick's reporting, yeah. right? Let's, let's, let's be honest. Katie Strang, same thing. The mm -hmm. Global Mail, the same thing. And while I'd love to say, like, yeah, like, uh, did I think that Hockey Canada as an organization had this elaborate scheme to cover up sexual assault cases using uh, registration fees? No. Right have we known that there's a problem with yes. hockey for a long time? Yeah. And I, and I think that this was a bit of I, I, Justin Trudeau used the word reckoning and I know not everyone's going to love me quoting Justin Trudeau, but like <laughs> it is kind of an accurate way to, to depict this because like there was kind of a running joke and not to make light of the situation, but you know, this was surprising to no one who has watched a hockey game before or no one who has covered hockey or talked about hockey. Like, yeah there has been a problem around young hockey players being treated like gods mm -hmm. for a very long time. I just don't think we thought, and I don't know why we wouldn't have. I don't think we thought it went this deep in the the governing body of the sport. Yeah. Right? If you had told me in any small town there was a Hockey Canada official who had abused somebody, you'd have gone, yeah. And uh, this isn't to say it's okay. It's just... I'd have probably gone, yeah, those things probably do happen now and then. Yeah, anyone who's ever met a junior age hockey player knows the way they talk and the way they are in a group. And you'd heard, you know, some team in, in Halifax, or I don't even know why I did that to Halifax, any random city in Canada, you'd go, yeah, okay. But the fact that this has repeatedly made its way up to the very top and repeatedly been paid off to go away and, and nothing's been done to change it, that's where you go, okay, we got a serious fucking problem here. Yeah, and, and it makes you think, like, you know, even just going back to the 2018 case that we know about and the 2003 case yeah. that we know about, many the the, the players involved in that alleged incident could be playing in the NHL right now. The players involved mm -hmm. in the alleged incident in 2003 did play. Like, like, like for some they of them have been to the Olympics. Ha, yeah, have been to the Olympics. We watched them play for years. Who are we cheering for right now? Who could have been involved in situations like this? Yeah. 
And I think when you also step back and think of the number of sexual assault cases that aren't reported, Mm -hmm. people who don't come forward. The majority. Cases that are swept under the rug like this one was. We wouldn't know about it if someone hadn't gone through the trash and found it. Right. It makes how many how many hockey players are we watching right now that have been involved in situations like this before? And and like I'm not necessarily I, I know we can't go through naming players or anything like that, but it, it just makes you think like when when the problem is this pervasive in mm-hmm. the sport, it kind of makes you question who you're cheering for and why. It, kind of along similar lines, so. Um, the, the NWSL and the U.S. Soccer Federation had commissioned a independent report called the Sally Yates Report, because that was the name of the, the firm and the person who was involved in it, um, basically detailing like rampant abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse um, in the NWSL and the U.S. Soccer Federation that was perpetuated, that was covered up, that was enabled for many, many years, um, mostly via coaches on players. And over the last couple of years, we had slowly seen uh, these situations come out. Paul Riley, who was the coach of the North Carolina Courage, was fired. Um, We later found out that he had been implicated in um, uh, allegations of sexual coercion and uh, in his previous role with the Portland Thorns, sexual abuse. Um, The Thorns fired him for soccer-related reasons and then allowed him to go get a job with the North Carolina Courage where he continued this abuse. That's just one example of the many examples that they kind of highlighted in this report. Um, and, you know, this is something that we've slowly been seeing over the last couple of years where these stories would come out. And, and a lot of people who cover women's sports, a lot of players uh, in women's soccer had said, yeah, this is a problem and no one's paying attention to it. And, and people just ignored it, swept it under the rug. And now this report came out and said, no, this is an actual, like, really pervasive problem. Right. Um, you know, we've, we've seen that, uh, in, in the report, it detailed that the U S soccer federation knew about it. Head coach Jill Ellis, who we all revered as like this greatest coach in U S women's soccer history. Um, she allowed these players to continue playing for coaches who had been, uh, uh alleged to be involved in, in these incidents. Right. And it's just like, you, you know, along with the hockey Canada thing, it's, it's like, we all knew this was a problem. Now we have it on paper. And, and it just, it, it's awful and it's terrible. Um, the U.S. women's soccer team was playing in a friendly against England on Friday. 90,000 people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sold out Wembley. Yeah. Uh, great game. It's like uh, the Foo Fighters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, England won 2 1, so also a great game. Sure. Um, but uh, the, the, the players banded together before the game and, and held up a sign that said, um, uh, uh, we support the players. Actually, I can't off the top of my head remember what the sign said, but they're they're all banding together, right, and, sure. and showing uh, solidarity because this is a a problem that has been not just in, in women's soccer. This has been we've seen it in gymnastics with Larry Nassar and mm-hmm. Lord only knows who else. Like there is a trend in women's sports where people in power, specifically me, often men in power, yeah. are taking advantage of them and abusing them um, because and, you know it's not it's not the big name players they're often going after it's the players who are trying to make a name for themselves um, and now we have documented proof that this not only happened but that it was covered up for years well, it just leaves you scratching your head going what do you do when is this pervasive you know I, I think we all called for yeah everybody at the top of Hockey Canada you're gone like I'm sorry you're the fi- even if you are someone who could wrap your head around the potential idea that Scott Smith didn't know, which I don't buy. But sorry, man, you're wearing the hat now and this organization sucks and the crowd, the crowd, what, 
the country wants change. Yeah. And what do you do now when you see that an entire league is being treated the same way or treated the same way? But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it, it, yeah. this is happening all over the place. And so what are you supposed to do? How do you completely, you know, flip this out and, and get rid of this sort of treatment of, of anybody? It, it's a real, you know, like I, I don't know how you get past it. We have to, but it's, it's so much bigger than any of us are prepared to wrap our arms around. That's just it, right? Like this is tip of the iceberg, yeah. right? Um, the one thing I will say about the the NWSL in particular, a lot of these instances happened when the league was in its infancy and didn't have an HR department, didn't have a whistleblower uh, infrastructure, mm-hmm. um, didn't have a union or an association, didn't have things in place to protect players. They have those things now, but they're still in very early days. Right. What I, I talked about this on the show, like we talk about how women's sports needs more resources, right? It's not given the same resources that men's sports is when it, when it comes to, you know, quality, the, the way they take care of athletes, flying chartered flights versus commercial, um, uh, promotion, promoting the game, promoting... The gym at March Madness. Yes, like the, the, the training resources they're given. All of that is a huge problem because it Im- impacts the quality of the sport and the product on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And then people say, oh, women's sports isn't as good. Well, like, Jesus, they're, it's apples and oranges here, buddy. Just flew across the Atlantic and coached. <laughs> exactly. But this is another example of where women's sports needs more resources because that that's why they didn't have an HR department. Alex Morgan basically was the HR department for many years. And this is what happens when you when you don't give women's sports proper resources to even set up pro- an infrastructure that allows um protection for players and they didn't have that so yes we need we need resources in women's sports to like make sure the quality of the game is at its peak and that people um know where to find it we also need resources to protect these players because this is at the end of the day a business and an organization and i just thought like this is another example of how selling women's sports short cutting them short Mm -hmm. can have real life major implications beyond just not enough people watching uh, we got to bring Andy on here in a couple minutes, so let's lighten things up a little bit. Cause the first half. Good of the idea. Show, this was heavy. This has been heavy, but it's important and it, it's worth talking about. So I'm glad that that we did that. But I don't want Andy to come in and sit down and all so the, beer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, look, we're a couple days now into the NHL season, and uh, I guess a little longer than that if you count the the European games that happened. I believe they're in Prague uh, last Friday and Saturday. Um, I'm just curious what your level of excitement is as a Sens fan. We did do a preview show with Graham Nichols. That was episode 1024. If you want to check that out at talkinaudio.com. He's always been, uh, the last several years, he's been good enough to come on and do a Sens preview show. Uh, with us, uh, episode 1023, Jeff Fayette was on to do the uh, the Leafs preview show. So you can check those out if you want. But the Sens have had a big off season. Um, you know, whether you want to talk about you know what they've done i know we've paid a lot of attention to it but just as the season fires back up what is your you know as the sport sits in the you know this is supposed to be me lightening it up but <laughs> as the sport sits in the condition that it is are you still able to kind of get yourself pumped up for another hockey season and you know or what is your level of optimism as we head into this season yeah like i'll be honest with you it's hard given everything that we've gone through in the last couple of weeks with hockey canada like getting really into line combinations has been a little challenging for me, but I have tried to like, you know, 
be a fan for a minute and and i, w- I don't want to say that too flippantly because like you know setting aside the abuse yeah. that we know about it's is a big thing to set aside. big thing to set aside so obviously all that in the background like i am i am looking forward to the season as a sense fan um they had a great off season. Like I, I don't think I've I, in my lifetime. I don't think I've seen the Sens talked about this much in an off season yeah. in my life. Um, and you know, there's still a lot. Bringing into Brinkat was amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Brady Kachuk having an entire year, uh, an entire training camp. You know, last year he signed the contract on day one of the season, basically, and like you know, missed the first couple first couple of games, and how that impacted his like start to the season, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a full season of Brady Kachuk, um, and and yeah, just looking forward to seeing you know Josh Norris further develop and and. You know, will we see Jake Sanderson more? There's a lot of really exciting questions on this team. Still really concerned about that blue line. Yeah. And yep. I know that a lot of people were just kind of waiting for Jacob Chikrin to arrive. Um, <laughs> I, you and I were talking before the show, but like this, this feels like the era, the uh, Kyle Turris situation all over again, right? Like we, we kind of knew that trade was right coming. Right down to the possible trade partner right <laughs> like it it's uh, you know some kid out of arizona wants, yes. <laughs> wants out we're gonna help um and and much like the Giroux signing and much like even maybe less so the debrin cat trade oftentimes you can see what the sense are doing from a mile away <laughs> <laughs> like it's rumored for a while they have trouble kind of getting the the finer details worked out and then it finally happens so i'm i'm pretty confident that it's going to get done at some point with chicken um if that happens, I'd feel a lot more confident in the blue line. Sure. The injury to Cam Talbot doesn't help. You know, the, I think coming into the season before Cam Talbot got injured, between Anton Forsberg and Cam Talbot, I was pretty confident in that goalie tandem. One of the two of them would get it going, and yeah. And now, like, I, I, I don't know a team that can afford to lose both starting no. and backup <laughs> goaltenders, but now you are a pulled hamstring away from a very big problem. Well, on, not even the injury. For me, when I look at Forsberg, like, he was very good last year, and he might be again. He was also a guy that was on waivers the year before that. Yeah. And, like, goaltenders are just voodoo, right? Like, I have no idea this year. Um, you know, we talked with, uh, with Jeff Fayette when he was on, talking about the, he has his league of seven, and it's like, if you don't have Vasilevsky, Shesterkin, Sorokin, you know, UC Soros, one of those top kind of six or seven guys that you, then don't pay them. Like, do yeah. not pay big money because outside of that group, it, it's kind of like a bullpen in baseball, right? Like, year to year, you just have no idea. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if Anton Forsberg turns out to be a perfectly capable kind of 50 to 55 game starting goaltender this year. Wouldn't be shocked if he's on waivers again in December. Yeah. Like, it, there's just, you have no idea. And now it's, you know, it's Hellberg or whatever instead of Cam Talbot. I didn't love the, the Talbot deal. I just didn't think it was necessary. I don't think he's that much better than Gustafsson. He is more experienced than Gustafsson. So I sort of, in that regard, get it. But I think. I would be, if it was me, I would have kept him just knowing that maybe there's some more upside there and he's a little bit younger. If we move off the Sens for a second, who is it that you might be most interested in watching? Not the Leafs either, because I know you like to occasionally <laughs> hate watch the Leafs now and then. Um, you know, who's, who's caught your attention? Who's going to be exciting? Who's somebody you might keep an eye on this season? I've got a couple teams. Um, I'm interested to see what the New York Rangers can do. Yeah. I think they are a heavy favorite this year. And, and you know, with Shishterkin, if he can have even like a semblance of the season that yeah. he had last year, they're in pretty good hands. No kidding. Um, and, and I think they're, they're just a really fun team to watch. <clears throat> I also, I'm, I'm, 
I've got my eye on Vancouver because hmm. we didn't see a lot of changes in the off season. But when they made the coaching change last year and brought in Bruce Boudreaux, it was almost like the vibes just completely changed. Boo Boo does that. Yeah. He's... Bruce, there it is, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what a full season of Bruce Boudreaux does to this team. Um, I don't think there's ever been a team with such high expectations that made so few changes yeah. in the off season. Yeah. Um, but, but, and I'm not even saying they're necessarily going to be good. I'm just, I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Right. And then I've got my eye on Anaheim just because like Trevor Zegers, yeah. I think okay. is one of the funnest <laughs> players in the league right now, both on and off the ice. Um, just his, his personality his media interviews are a lot of fun to watch um and he's obviously a a super fun player to watch so uh yeah those are kind of some of the teams i got my eye on how about you yeah edmonton's too easy of an answer so i'll say calgary a little bit Mm -hmm. i I wonder if they're there's a lot of people saying maybe they're better i don't know if they're better but i don't think they're worse like after losing johnny (laughs) goudreau and matthew kachuk so that's intriguing to me uh just based on everything they have going on and all the changes I, I've never say. seen a team lose one of their star players on free agency, just walk away, and then lose the other star player via trade and actually go, you know what? We had no chaos season. Yeah. Like, like yeah. that's what Calgary did. The Johnny Goudreau uh, situation and then just days later, the Matthew Kachuk situation where he said, you know, I'm not going to sign with you guys to trade yeah. me. It was looking like this was going to be well, so, a disaster. And they don't just get Huberto back, who I get is older, but still has several years of a very productive hockey. But they bring back Mackenzie Weger, and that blue line was already very good. Yeah. And now they've locked both of those guys up long-term. Look, like I said, I don't know if they're better, but I don't think they're worse. So that's one team. And in the same division, I'm really curious about Vegas mm. because... They've been good for a long time. Last year, they ran into just a pile of injuries, um, and Eichel only plays a bit of the season. They kind of bring him in halfway through. I'm really curious, can that guy become you know, a number one center again? Obviously, I got love in my heart for Phil Kessel, who's yes. coming up uh, you know, quick on that, that Ironman streak. There's no one in the league less likely that you would have bet on, whatever, a decade ago and say that's going to be the Ironman, and he is. So I love that. Um, Mark Stone, uh, you know, you got a ton of respect for that guy. That's just a team are without Robin Leonard. What are they going to be? But I think maybe we're underselling them just a little bit based on how good they've been. And, you know, I I think they might get back there even without Robin Leonard. I think that might be one of those teams that's, that's, you know, we slept on a little bit because they kind of fell off last year. I'm fascinated to see what they're going to be. They won on opening night. Uh, against LA at a Mark Stone scored very last second. So those are a couple. And they, they definitely seem like a team that can score their way out of any problems, yeah. right? So if goaltending is not spectacular, well, they've got Jack Eichel and they've got Mark Stone and they're not going to have any problems. So um, yeah, full season of healthy Jack Eichel is very interesting. Plus, I just want to see Phil Kessel on the strip. I just want to see photos of him living okay. his life in Vegas. Living That's all I want to live. Yes. Uh, totally with you there. We'll take a quick second here to uh, to kind of regroup and we'll bring in uh, Andy from the Need a Beer Company. All right, we're uh, we're happy to be bringing into the show now uh, the guy who has allowed us to set up shop backstage here at the uh, the Need a Beer Company, Andy Nita. How's it going, man? Good, Matt. 
<laughs> just, All right. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just very brief, very to the point. We like Andy. I'm yeah. just trying to finish a text here to my wife. Right. You guys are jumping in too fast for me. Sorry. I do that. Sometimes. You got to make sure the wife knows where you are. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, we'll let Andy Kit finish doing that because he's giving us free beer, so he can pretty much do whatever he wants at okay. this point. I'm done. All right. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Andy Nita. What's happening, man? Well, um, I'm hosting a podcast in uh, my brewery, yeah. which uh, I was uh, endeavoring all day to clean, as I did do some <laughs> brewing earlier. Um, but we do have some uh, grains uh, festering in the mash there. I didn't, I did not clear that out before. Uh, festering in the mash. Yeah. Can yeah. you explain that phrase to us? Uh, well, so when we're making beer, we uh, initially have to mash some of the grains. So that's a process of steeping uh, grains in warm water. And uh, what that will do is convert your starches into sugar. So that was done earlier this morning. Um, and in the kettle behind Matt, uh, the wort that was produced from that process, which is just sugar water, right, uh, is souring. I'd so really rather I'm you not talk about the wort on my behind, but that's <laughs> is what it is. All right. Uh, I'm intentionally souring that beer uh, with bacteria. <laughs> Uh, so that we can make a, a kettle sal- or sour with that one, uh, which will be a uh, uber raspberry lemon sour. Oh, my goodness. Uh, for future, future release. I can't say for what. Maybe it's a beer calendar. I don't know. It could be. But <laughs> it all, the timeline works out. Yeah. But I didn't get a chance to empty the mash, and um, so, you know, it, the grades are festering in there right now. So tomorrow it's going to be stanky when I clean it out. <laughs> Um, I know uh, Shrides wants to ask you about Oktoberfest. We've got to talk about the calendar, but uh, you've handed me a beer here. This is the uh, Biohaze IPA. Tell me about this one, man. It's a, uh, a double dry hopped IPA. Um, now that I'm a few beers in, uh, I'm not going to be able to tell you what uh, the hops were that were in there. Uh, but it was a, uh, a beer that uh, we put together with uh, our summer students. And uh, they chose the hops. Uh, I did the grain bill because uh, they didn't have enough experience, but in terms of formulating uh, a recipe that way. But uh, I said, you know, we want to look for a certain type of, you know, tropical hop flavor. Um, see what you can find. And so they came up with a couple of hops and we said, let's see what we get out of it. And um, they came up with the name Biohaze. And uh, for those people that can't see the label, but maybe map. We'll post uh, it on our Instagram, at Talking Audio. Yeah. We'll, we'll post it. Uh, it's somebody wearing a gas mask where the, uh, the lenses for the gas mask are uh, slices of citrus fruit. Um, I, don't, I don't know, kids today. So the kid was an engineering student. Uh, he thought that something toxic would look appealing to people to purchase. So sure. uh, we went with it. He's a great kid. He's quite the artist. He did the label himself, and I think it's, it's oh, wow. quite well done. Um, he's done a few other uh, labels uh, for us, and we'll get him to do a few more. So we kept him on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he works for us a few days a week while he's at school, uh, beyond his uh, summer student status. So um, he's a good lad. It's 8.1%, so people will understand if, if Michaela takes over the, uh, yeah. the hosting here at some That's point. A, do you, how much freedom do you give like your summer students or interns or anybody who works for you to create stuff like this? Uh, you know what? Because I'm so pinched for time, especially on the uh, the, uh, the the marketing side of things, like or the the label development, the artistic stuff like that, they can do whatever they want. Love you know? that. I mean, there's. I love that. 
you know, it's uh, we have to maybe put up a, a couple of fences to create a boundary mm-hmm. to, you know, to say, like, we want to keep this uh, decent. You know, we don't want to be offensive in any way because uh, my wife is ultimately the, um, you know, the, the one person to say, like, you can't put that out, you know. That's fair. And she also will say, like, what are you going to call this? Right. So I've been shut down on several names because they, <laughs> they sometimes get a little too close to the boundary of mm. acceptable um, beer names but uh so she's the one we should really be having on the show if she's running things back well she's the genius i'm just uh, there's never any question any dummy can make beer that's why (laughs) it's it's running a business that's a that's a different thing uh how did the uh you know we were supposed to do this before the uh the october fest that you guys had uh a couple of weeks ago but it was you know it got a little crunch for time, and then uh, you know one of us ended up under the weather, and and things happen. That's uh, the first time you've done an Oktoberfest, if I'm not mistaken. How'd it go? Uh, it uh, we we hit capacity, so we uh, we didn't extend our license, um, so that we could bring more people in. We just thought, you know, it's after COVID. Let's see if, uh, if we can fill the seats, mm-hmm. and so we were able to do that. So it's a fairly uh, modest showing in terms of you know our our first event, but we were happy to sell out. And, uh, great. um, you know, if it's any sort of litmus test to the success or at least how much fun that I had, uh, I was in trouble the day after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sign of a good night. Yeah. What was yeah. the highlight for you then? Uh, the polka band. Now I wish I could remember the name yes. of them, but, uh, we should, uh, ask me later and I'll, I'll tag them in. Um, please. They were, they were phenomenal. Like the, it was this, uh, duo, one on trumpet, the other one on the accordion, and they just uh, rocked it all night. Love it. You know, and I kept, I remember there's a, I kept saying, play Aunt Posey. And he was like, I just played it. Play it again. <laughs> <laughs> they were just do it. They were, they were great. I loved it. Uh, is this something like when you get around next year, you're going to want to do it again? Will you look to expand it? You know, what happens now? Oh, definitely going to expand it. That was yeah. such a, such a hoot. Right. Um, but I feel like if we do it again, we really want to encourage people to be wearing, you know, the lederhosen and the dirndls. And <laughs> I was one of four people, you know, right. wearing sort of the uh, that's traditional thing that needs to be on our Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's some there's some flattering photos that are in the ether. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're gonna need to see those. Yeah, no doubt. Um, we got the the advent tal- calendar. It's 8.1. The 8.1 one. has that thing. It's digging in. It's digging in. Taking root. Taking away shrines. No, it's uh, um, the advent calendar is coming up. You guys have been doing this now. How many years is this? This is the fifth year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure I've been a day one guy. I think I had it year one and, uh, and several. So um, how's it looking this year? How's it coming together? How's it shaping up? And, you know. Every year it gets better. Absolutely. Like, I think this is probably our best year. Uh, in terms of uh, beer variety uh, and organizing the uh, the styles of beer so that, that you're not getting loaded down heavy on mm-hmm. one style for too many days in a row. So we've really spread everything out. Uh, we're that. working with some new breweries that we haven't worked with before that we're excited about. Um, we're always trying to sort of change up about four to six breweries every year. And we do keep a good number of breweries on just because... Uh, uh, the beer's great, but more so they're they're great to work with. Mm. Right. Um, it's a, a very uh, interesting project. Uh, it's going to get very crazy in here in the the next two weeks. <laughs> and those people that understand like the chaos that 
you know, it, it creates to actually execute this, this project and do everything that they can to help sort of well, you run like a little sweatshop out of here. Like, it basically, it's, it's true. Yeah, we get uh, we get all kinds of uh, volunteers. Um, yeah, like you got how much? What was it last year? The the number that you sold it was maxed out basically, and you have to put they got they all got to be sorted right. Like they all have to be put in in order at the same way. It's, well, I just sort of think about it. like we've got uh, we try and break it up into two uh, delivered loads, so we get uh, twenty three cases that will come in in the next week and a half from uh, 24, well, not 24, 22 breweries, but 24 times 23 cases, we have to find room to sort of place all that within our brewery. We, we're very limited in space, so there's lots of Jenga or Tetris going on here. <laughs> and uh, then we have to uh, figure out how we're going to sort of package all of those. And once they're packaged, where do we put them out of the way? Yeah. Oh, God. As we bring in the next round of uh, cases of beers, it'll be like another 21 cases from all the other participating breweries. So 24 times 21. So it's 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 pretty crazy the the chaos that's in here. And uh, I mean, you guys can look at the space right now. There's not a lot of room. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what I was doing today was creating floor space. And over the next week, I have to figure out how to create more like floor space. So, so do these breweries bring you the cans and give them to you and you package them? Yeah. Okay, that's... So they, get, they give us flats of beer and then we start to repackage them into our calendar flats or boxes mm-hmm. or you know, the, the packaging that they've selected and then we send them out again. So it's going to be crazy. And you mentioned a couple new breweries. Can we get a hint as to maybe who they are? Oh yeah, we've, we've published it online, but some of the newer ones that have come in, uh, Skeleton Park out of Kingston... Um, Oh, you put me on the spot now. <laughs> uh, are my are my five paddles guys back? They are. Oh, you know. What? Oh my God, scandalous, scandalous! I was stunned when I heard this. <laughs> this is one of those things that. Let me set this up. Okay. So story time with Andy. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, you, we've gone through the pandemic. I think a lot of businesses in the service industry have, have you know weathered this, and there's been you know pains and stuff. I mean, there's been days where I've been like. Oh, what can I get if I sell the brewery? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I'm weathered. And uh, I was shocked to hear, I was just visiting um, Ian at Five's Paddles, and they put the brewery up for sale. No. And I was just shocked. Because a lot of times when, um, you know, I've hit the wall or, you know, I'm down in the dumps or something like that, just thinking, oh, why am I doing this? Oh, I love beer. Um, but oh, yeah. still struggling to, to try and make sense of everything that's going on in the industry. You know, I always find the, the five paddle guys, like Ed, Mike, and Ian, to be so, so inspiring. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're legendary. Their beers are phenomenal. Right. Um, and uh, to, to have heard that, that's, uh, I was like, oh, man, that sucks. You know, because... If I'm ever having a bad day, I'm always looking to see what they're doing and right. to, to find some some gas to put in my tank. Mm. So that's kind of a bummer. And there's always so. like something from them that's like noteworthy that you remember from the calendar. Like uh, I think it was two years ago they did the coconut cream pie. Yep, was in the calendar, and you're uh, like to me that's just about perfect, right? It's a stout, it's sweet, it's it's whatever. And I think well that would have been right in the heart of the pandemic. And uh, ended up down there and spent like a month or two at my parents' place because nobody could go anywhere, do anything in studio to anyway. So, was, and so my dad and I took a rip down to to Whippy and bought up 
pretty much everything. Like, we'll try some of that, try some of that. And they just seem like they're fun, right? They want to try some things. We'll we'll just experiment. We'll see if people like it or not. And I'm down with that. Like, my thing has always been, if you say this is in your beer, turn the volume up on that thing, right? Like, if you say this is a, a pumpkin beer... I want to taste pumpkin in it. If you say it, those guys, they come at you, right? If, if, if they say it's in there, you know it's in there. And I like that. I like that a lot. I'm they, disappointed to hear they're selling it. Well, and that was, so, and maybe this is um, the, the shining light here, is that when I was talking to him, Ian was kind of like, you know what, if we don't sell, I'll just keep making beer. Sure. I'll just keep going. Yeah. But I just want to see if maybe there's an opportunity to sell and maybe try something else. Yeah. But I'll just keep making beer if I don't. So I'm, you know, it's, it's very selfish for me to say this. I hope he doesn't sell it. I, I'm yeah. with you. I will be equally you know, selfish. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, I hope that whatever it is that he wants and the guys from Five Paddles want, they get, they get what they want mm-hmm. and, you know, they can, you know, go on to their next adventure or their next journey, you know. Yeah. But I'd rather keep them in the beer community. Yeah. Sure, 100%. I felt the same way when Crooked Mile closed. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I get that you want to do this, but I well, miss they didn't, you. Well, they didn't close so much as they sold, right? Yeah. It, like, the, the space can be taken over by Base Camp, which I'm excited about because I live walking distance Yeah, that's it, it. Imagine a brewery walking distance from your house just closes, and you're like, no, no. I, there was a moment, like, I was literally on my honeymoon in Ireland, like, drinking Guinness, and I was like, no! It just ruined my honeymoon. Like, <laughs> this brewery. Um, when you talk about this year's calendar and the fact that you get tired and you get weathered and you you know it's has it crossed your mind like do i want to keep doing this it's a you've you've talked about it on the show before and it's certainly if we follow um you guys on on social media it's a ton of work is there ever a moment you're like do i really want to be the guy who does this again um i put some um boundaries on it this year we're gonna sell less so that we sell out sooner, we get it done sooner, um, just so that it's less uh, stress on, on our staff and on myself. I mean, the reality is we lost some staff during the pandemic, um, and we haven't been able to replace them. Wow. Um, so we have to do this in a way where we're not killing ourselves to get it done, mm-hmm. right? So if we have a few years where we sell fewer and sell out and create a little bit of, uh, you know, buzz and demand demand. and disappointment. Um, and you know, that in subsequent years when we say, okay, we're going to go from X quantity and boost it where people are like, yay, (laughs) you know, and we have the, the, the team here I got through, I got mine. I I got my calendar. It's uh, if, if we have the, the team to, to pull it off, then we'll do more. But, uh, I think the the biggest thing is not being able to to meet your deadlines. For me, I want to be able to execute on a plan mm-hmm. and be able to commit to people and say that we'll get you, you know, your calendar on this day as promised and do it within a at least a 14-hour day. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but it it is it gets stressful and I'm starting to stress out a little bit, so I start to drink a little bit more and uh, <laughs> but that's when I get creative. Like that's when I in create space. Right. Yeah, you know, I've got some great ideas in terms of how we're going to manage it this year. And I'm curious about the the strategy behind not having too many of the same kind of beers in a row. How do you decide what style goes where and what styles you put in? 
I think what uh, we always try and do is try, we, we balance it, right? You want to have beers for everybody because, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get people that are going to buy this product for themselves or for somebody else that may not be, you know, super huge craft beer enthusiasts, but enjoy beer. So you want to make sure you've got some stuff that's very accessible. And there's a lot of different styles that are accessible. And then you also want to have some stuff for the real craft beer enthusiasts, like stuff that's going to blow their minds. <laughs> um, we don't want to load the calendar down too heavy with those. Mm. Like not too many super huge biohaze IPAs. That's not in the calendar. Or, you know, barrel age. As, you know, as long as it's in my fridge, I don't care if it's in the calendar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, we don't want uh, too many, you know, challenging beers for people if that's their first try at something like that. So, you know, and then what we'll do is when we get all the different styles in, we'll say, okay, let's start with a, a Pilsner, then maybe chase it with an Amber, maybe we've got a Brown, a Stout, then an IPA. Mm-hmm. And then let's start the cycle again, not with the same styles, but something similar to that so that each day it's something unique, you know. And I think we've got all the beers in there to do that this year. And Awesome. Um, is there any consideration to the time of year? Right, like uh, there's certain things that are kind of more summery. Certain things are. I, I'm asking this as a dark beer fan, obviously. Uh, but do you guys? It's pay, always stout season. It's, in Matt's it's house. porters, it's browns, it's stouts. That that's where Matt lives. But d- does that weigh into it at all, or is it kind of you know just bring it all in? Like you said, you're trying to. I, I understand bringing I a wider we, group than just Matt. I think we want to have a wider variety of beers. I mean, obviously, we're going to pull in more. Uh, you know styles of beer that would be appropriate for cooler weather mm-hmm. um but we're not stout heavy i think there's maybe three stouts in there i'll i'm okay. not gonna lie to you okay but it's it's balanced with you know like i said like blondes lagers yeah. pilsners as well right and then everything in between and trying to keep things sort of balanced you know how much is whether or not you can get it in the lcbo a factor well, it's not, and we've we initially tried to get it in the LCBO, um, and it's they're not. But you do have a deal with the beer store still. No, done with those guys. They're, they're, okay. Um, no, I just mean like each individual beer. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, so our our thing is is that we don't want any beers that are already listed in the LCBO. We don't want them if they're listed Gorgeous. in the beer store. Yeah. Love this. We don't want any beers that are in the grocery stores. All These the beers exclusive. that are in the calendar. Yeah are uh, guaranteed to be only available from the brewery directly. Uh, maybe you can get it on draft at a restaurant, a local restaurant within the neighborhood of that brewery, and in our calendar. So Love these that. are very unique beers. And I've joked about this every year, but some people say, oh, why is this so expensive? And I said, well, drive around all the breweries across <laughs> Ontario, right? <laughs> buy the beers, yeah. and for the money you spend, yeah. buy two of our calendars because you're going to save. Yeah. Right. That's that's the thing. Like you're getting unique beers from great breweries uh, without having to do all the uh, the traveling to get them. Yeah. How much does feedback pan into it year to year? I know you guys have been doing this for for five years now. Um, you know, obviously you have breweries. It, it's funny. It, it's not just beers for those of us who buy it. You have have discussed openly on the show before. There's some people who struggle to meet demand right uh, if we sell this many calendars i need that many beers from you and like how much do you kind of you know year to year take into consideration people are saying i really like that beer versus yeah but those guys are really hard to work with <laughs> like uh, how does that shake loose well it, you know what to um 
to maybe look at this from a different sort of angle. I mean, this year's calendar, what we did is we took a lot of feedback that we've gotten from people who have purchased the calendar that have talked about uh, the quality of the beers. Mm -hmm. Uh, not so much, you know, the actual individual breweries and how easy they are to work with. Uh, we'd even gotten spreadsheets <laughs> from individuals wow. that were <laughs> drinking the beers and they created their own rating systems. Oh my God. Wow. I love that. And nerd, you know, nerd. like that's one extreme. And then you get other just emails from people that are, you know, maybe not as excited as we would have liked to have, uh, them to have been about certain beers that we added to the calendar. Right. And, you know, when, when there's some consensus, you know, then we start looking at, you know, maybe uh, we'll just switch up a little bit, you know, some of the, uh, the, the participants or the partners in the, the calendar, and we'll, we'll bring some new people in. And that generally is, you know, why we kind of shift things around a bit, but not always. Yeah. Not always. Yeah. Sometimes it's the personality of the brewers. Right. Sometimes if they grate me the wrong way. <laughs> sure. <laughs> out. You know, and it's, I like to work with people who are easy to work with. Sure. So there's that too. How geographically this year, you know, as we, you know, we'll, we'll let you off the hook here and we'll, we'll just continue to drink beer. But how, like geographically speaking this year, what's the spread? I know this started fairly heavy uh, Ottawa uh, leaning, which which made sense, and over the the years, it's branched out more and more across the province. Um, you know how spread out would you say this year compared to other years, or geographically speaking, how Ottawa centric is it? Or I, without uh, I should have had that prepared, right, and know these things. Um, <laughs> I would say that Ottawa is about fifty or slightly less than fifty percent. Okay, like it just depends on what you consider Ottawa. Like, right. I say Ottawa Valley. Right. You know, so, yep. I mean, we look at Perth Brewery, uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, Weatherhead just changed their name to Lakeside. So oh, another, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah they rebranded. So they're out in Perth. Um, so it's kind of Ottawa Valley, so I kind of consider that as being part of, you know, the, the Ottawa Fold. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I would said, it's probably about 50% or slightly less than 50% Ottawa. And then, uh, you know, we've, uh, e- expanded it a little bit. I think we've got six breweries, um, in the Toronto Hamilton, like kind of Whitby area. Okay. And yeah. then three out of Kingston this year. Uh, and then we've got the two in Perth. And then I think the rest are Ottawa, if I'm not mistaken. I could be mistaken. Yeah. It's been a long day. Of course. <laughs> With a couple beers involved. It, it happens to the best of us, right? Several. Uh, yeah. Um, so maybe last one for you then as, as we kind of you know, get ready to, to wind this down. You guys have, have always put this up online. And it's, you know, uh, in, the, in past years, you've been available in beer stores. Or Where is the best way? for people to, to get it this year, or are you already sold out? Um, we're about 25% right now. Okay. At, uh, we're what, early October? Yeah, there's time. Uh, so we've got like a month and a half. Yeah. Um, sales are great. Um, I saw a great sale uh, the other day that came in. Somebody bought 20 calendars. Oh, my God. I was like, insane. I think it was for a business. Okay, I, that makes sense. And I was like, Chris's presents. what a good boss. Yeah, honestly. I want to do business with I'd those guys. I'd love to Seriously. work with that. I don't they, even care what industry that is. Yeah, like, if they are selling something that I can buy, I'll buy from them. I, I, um, two years but, ago, I think, I bought five, and I looked at my visa bill. There's 
on behalf of a group of people, right? And you're like, this is the most money I have ever spent on beer at one time, I think. And uh, what'd you say, 20, 25? That's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of calendars. Yeah, we, we stopped selling at the beer store. This would be a long sort of answer. Take it. Um, because we sent a lot of like calendars to the beer stores and then we would have to take a lot of calendars back and then resell them through online or direct delivery or through the brewery and stuff like that. It's worth uh, displaying it, them or I just I don't know if the the beer store is the vehicle for this type of product. Right. So it, it didn't really work out well. It was nice to try and sure. uh, you know there were some uh, beer stores that were doing a great job like 10th line out in Orleans like they were just selling them. <laughs> But, I mean, in places where you would think you would sell more of them, like in Toronto, yeah. um, I'm trying to think, like uh, Long Branch or something like that, where all the, the ballers with money live, like, <laughs> I couldn't sell any. I was like, but, but rich people don't spend money, so right. here we go. That's they want it for free. Yeah, yeah. Long That's Branch fun. was my beer store for a long time when I was a starving student in college. <laughs> so I was one of the non-rich people, uh, you know. So you wouldn't have been able to afford it at the time that. anyway. No, God, no. <laughs> I went and bought, like, two Alexander Keiths at yeah. one time. <laughs> And you had to stretch them out. Oh, yeah. Add a little water to that and some paprika, you know. That was what I drank before I went to the bar so I wouldn't have to buy drinks at the Maddie. Right. That's a very insider Toronto No, I love that bar. The Maddie? The Madison, yeah. It's gorgeous. Anyway, we're way off track. (laughs) But what we're doing this year that's kind of interesting, and this is another one of my wife's excellent ideas again, is partnering with uh, restaurants to create pickup locations. So if people want to dodge that shipping bullet, right. if they're outside of our delivery, free delivery area, uh, they can go to a, a local restaurant and pick up our calendar. So oh, I think nice. right now we've got Eerie Street, Erie Street Gastropub in Windsor, um, Greenfields, um, Brew Revolution in Stittsville, because they're in the calendar. Nice. Wanted to partner. Yeah. So we said, let's do it. Yep. Uh, I think we've got Hunter's Public House in, uh, that is South Bank area. What would, that's Leitrim area. Okay. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, and we'll start to, uh, to share that on social media soon to try and drive um, some business like, to those guys. And sort of the deal with them is they make a couple of points on you know that being a pickup location but what we're hoping will happen is that when people go to pick up the calendars maybe they uh, pick up a little takeaway you know sure. yeah. Yeah, yeah, help yeah. our uh, help our pickup partners a little bit yeah so we're, we're still looking for some like in the, the toronto area and um and the hammer um and in kingston so that uh, people can dodge that uh 15 you know delivery charge right. across yeah. ontario so you down for uh, your usual in-studio appearance at the end of November, just before we kick this off? When Absolutely. You drop mine off? I don't have to wear uh, pants, do I? Uh, Lederhosen, I believe we heard. Yeah, I can... <laughs> Fully expected. <laughs> That's the new deal. They're crotchless. All right. <laughs> I'll you know on it. Yeah, maybe Zoom is a way to do that interview this year. Uh, Andy, Matt, we, we appreciate you having us. We've talked a couple times about doing a show at the brewery. Um, you know, we weren't able to, to get it done before Oktoberfest. Happy we were able to, uh, to do this one. Yeah, this uh, is cool. Hopefully uh, not the last time, but uh, thank you for having us in your space, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, they're on social media at Need a Beer Co. Or just at Need a uh, Instagram is uh, Need a Beer Co. Okay. Uh, Twitter is Need a Beer Co. Facebook yeah. is Need a Beer. Okay. 
See, this is why it's good to have you here because I can't <laughs> remember all this stuff. A, a, a real host would have notes and stuff, but yeah. I'm sitting here drinking your 8.1% <laughs> and, and loving it, by the way. So uh, we'll wind this one down here. Uh, Shrides, anything else you wanted to touch on tonight? No, just thank you for the beer and for the atmosphere. Andy, this was wonderful. Yeah. I wish I could have cleaned up a little bit more after brewery. No, it's okay. But, uh, this is the real brewery experience. This is what it's supposed to look yeah. like. This is why we're here. That's what I expected. Yeah, we want to see how the sausage slash beer is, is made. Uh, Andy, Leafs versus Habs tonight as we're sitting here recording. Uh, I just hope both teams lose. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Habs. Oh. Uh, and, but saying that, so here's, I was offered a pair of, anecdotal, a free pair of tickets to uh, October 20th game in Toronto, Leafs versus uh, Dallas. Ooh. And I took them. Yeah, you want a um, date? Or? Oh, I've got a, I've got, I, I'm taking oh. the guy that's going to let me sleep oh. in his house. Fair, fair. <laughs> While I'm down there. But uh, who's going to win that one? I'll let you wear the, or have the no optional pants when you come in studio if you replace them. Oh, my God. Uh, that's how expensive Leaf tickets are. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> Got to give up pants to get tickets. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? That uh, the Habs aren't supposed to be any good. The Sens are supposed to be kind of better, and the Leafs are supposed to be great. That's that's the way I see it. In that. the regular so, season, yeah, yeah. The playoffs. That's a, that's a different thing. So, um, so you're going to be there. Yeah, you can do. A, I'll send you a selfie. By all means, man. We want it. You heard it here. He's committed. We want that uh, that several beers deep selfie. Oh from yeah. The, Twelve dollars a piece for a Molson Canadian or uh, whatever. I love. I think they have Creamore there. Okay. Well, since Molson's been acquiring all like these sort of uh, smaller buying up everybody, um, that there should be some good selection there. Maybe there'll be some Mill Street too. Who knows? Yeah. No, that's true. Are we still? Are we okay with them? How do we feel about Mill Street? I know they're a macro now, right? That's. Uh, You know what? Um, I was at a wedding uh, at the Mill Street uh, brew pub here in Ottawa, and Uh, they got a nice spot. That is a I great got spot. married there. They have a great yeah. spot. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic, right? Yeah. And um, a true story, uh, the, the first, uh, I guess, brewer's apprentice I ever hired that became a brewer now works there. Oh. So he moved on. Nice. And um, I'll be there was great. You know, so I think that uh, Mill Street, uh, at its core, especially at, at, at their brew houses, are still making great beer. Yes. Um, and even at the macro level, like if I'm going to go to a bar and uh, there's various options and none of them are local craft mm-hmm. from a small producer and they've got the organic lager, I'm going nice for the organic nice lager. Beer, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good beer. I don't care if it's organic, you know. It just tastes good. It's, it's a good beer. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, it's true, and that is one of the few uh, craft beers that was available at the Sky Dome as the uh, Blue Jays were punted out of the playoffs. In that was ridiculous. That I was, was watching the game. That was, that was ridiculous. Painful, what it happened was there? Painful. They got it, tired of all the. It was four one talk. You know what? It was eight one. Eight one sounds better. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it was. Uh, is it? I thought the pivot point was when they had the uh, the collision. That was it. That was game over. It just took all the energy out of the building, right? Just, like George Springer's yeah. laid out, and he's yeah. he's coming out on a stretcher trying to pump the crowd up. You're like, man, no, we're we're as dead as you at this point. Like yeah. this is that was unreal. It was. It was bad game to watch. But, uh, uh, we'll have Andy in studio either late November, early December, as the calendars actually launch. Uh, he makes his annual trip to deliver my calendar, and then 
we drink a lot of beer and 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 talk stupid on the podcast. That's it's sort it. of what we do here. Uh, talking stupid. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this has been fun. Uh, Shrides is on Twitter and Instagram at s c h r e i d s, and uh, her craft beer takes are at Crafted in the Capital. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Uh, and we will make sure in the show notes that we have Andy's uh, Twitter and Instagram handles correct. Uh, we'll check with the boss uh, maybe before we get it posted. But uh, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for having us in here. Cheers, Matt. With that, Cheers, Michaela. Thank you, Andy. We're out of here. That's just another episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We will catch you on the next one. I am unhappy with the confusing and at times confrontational nature of that meeting. I wanted it to go better. I want it to go better!